right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Mostly Ghostly. That's right, the Ghostly Paranormal Show with the Mostly Paranormal hosts that are still alive. You know what I mean? Myself, Machu, my better half over here, Ray. How you doing, Ray? Not bad. How about you? I'm doing all right. You know what I mean? It's hot out there. Been doing some moving around, cleaning up the house a little bit, running things back and forth to the dumpster. Uh, getting a good exercise in today, so I, I can't complain about that. You know what I mean? Um, but I can complain about one thing, and that's monsters of Zanzibar. You know what I mean? They're too damn evil looking. You know what I mean? I see them. They got that big old eye staring down at you. Uh, the, the the Colossus. You know what I mean? The uh, you don't want to mess with that type of deal. And uh, it's one of those deals, you know, we, 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 the, the Papawa demon, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're going to get into today. This was a Ray Bootin find, you know what I mean? And uh, this Bootin, this, this, this demon is, you know, is Papawa, you know what I mean? That's some serious shit. So for anybody out there that doesn't know about Papawa, I, I recommend definitely popping in, getting a pick, checking out a pick because... Like the last couple episodes, you know what I mean? That's handful of episodes and creatures that we discussed. You know, we're going straight from looks. You know, we're being very uh, shallow. You know, we're going straight from people's looks. No personality, just straight up looks and how they're, how, how they're, how they're apparent. Uh, so we apologize to the other spiritual entities out there that uh, might not be as so grotesque and horrifying. But you should definitely take that as uh, a pat on the back. that You're not being labeled grotesque and horrifying. You know what I mean? I'm with you. So, the Papawa. Now, it's got a gigantic eye in the middle of its face. Some people would say leaning more towards the forehead. You know what I mean? Um, but it's definitely uh, a creepy deal. Now, the scene is a modern day. The scene is modern day Zanzibar, where a terrible monster, the infamous Papawa is swooping into bedrooms at night and raping men, particularly skeptical men. So we want to start off um, automatically and say that we believe this. We're very not, we're not skeptical at all in this situation. <laughs> um, we, we, we're, we're believers, you know what I mean? According to Skeptical Inquirer, a uh, very legitimate uh, website, the demonic beast name came from the Swahili word for bat and wing. And indeed, the creature is described as having, in addition to a dwarf's body with a single cyclopean eye, small pointed ears, and bat-like wings and talons. You know, I think a lot of these were, you know, in, in like Homer's the, uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey. I think there's some of these creatures in that, within that as well. But the cyclops eye is an interesting, like when you see the cyclops eye, Ray, what's that? Does that speak to you off the bat, that one eye deal? Is it almost like a third eye or is it just kind of, what, what do you think that is? I'm thinking more of a third eye thing. Yeah. The one eye, I always figure a one eye with the cyclops and stuff, I always, that was a, uh, an issue. Like it was a, a defect, if you will, for that. It's like the one eye is very complicated. You don't really get much reach with it, but I've I've had two eyes, so who's to say? One big eye could be better. That you can see further, farther, better in darkness than you know than two eyes. But I don't know who who's to say. Uh, You're going to uh, suffer a little bit on your depth perception. Yeah, 
You know what I mean? And it makes you, you know, if you're going to be in battle, you know, destroying one eye is a lot easier than destroying one eye. One big eye is a lot easier than destroying two, two regular sized eyes. You could throw a rock or anything into that eye or a sword or a shotgun blast to keep it modern and uh, problem solved. So they speak, you know what I mean? But uh, there's a lot of issues with trying to kill these entities. According to local villagers, uh, it is especially prone to attack anybody who doesn't believe. Like we said with the skeptic stuff, scary stuff. One 1995 victim was a quiet, uh, soft-spoken peasant, a farmer named Mijaka Hamad, who said he does not believe in spirits. He first thought he was having a dream. However, I could feel it, just like the song. He said, "Some something pressing on me. I feel like we're, uh, these are like the transcripts from the Weinstein trial here. I couldn't imagine what sort of thing was happening to me. You feel as if you are screaming with no voice. That kind of has that, uh, the sleep, what do you call it? Um, sleep, uh, paralysis. paralysis, yeah. We made a movie about it. I don't know how I could forget it. Uh, very sleep paralysis sounding, you know what I mean? Um, with the whole, you know, you can't scream. That's one of those things that they say too, is you're kind of, you're held down and you feel like you can't scream. Uh, so they feel like they're screaming with no voice. That's kind of a thing of fear though. Uh, if you get scared enough, I've seen it in person. If you, what, before my victims go away, if you get scared enough, you, 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 you can't even, you know what I mean? And even just trying to screams like, um, you know, it's weird. You see something like that. You don't want to, you, you want to scream, but you don't want to make a noise type deal. Cause then it might make a noise too close to him. Um, so he first thought he was having a dream. Uh, and then he said, he felt it pressing on him. And then at that point, the, the dream was over. The nightmare began. Uh, he couldn't imagine what sort of thing was happening to me. You know what I mean? He went on to say, it was just like a dream, but then I was thinking it was this Papa Wawa, and he had come to do something terrible to me, something sexual. It is worse than what he does to women. I hear a lot of people say that, actually. You know, at least with women, I think, uh, you know, it's more of a, 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 I don't know. You know, we, he went on to say uh, that it, he knew what the dream was over, like we said. And something he knew something terrible was going on. Now I used to have I used to have nightmares back in the day, and uh, it, nothing was ever pressing on me. We'll say I never felt that thing, but I did know the, the terrible feeling. You know, I would get these dreadful feelings before falling asleep. Like I would know that I was about to have a nightmare before I had the nightmare. Like as I was drifting off, I would just feel dread come in. And I remember I would see flashes in my head, flashes up close in my face of like things I didn't want to see, uh, creature-esque things. Maybe there's something to that. Me and Ray have never talked about that. But it would be so intense that as soon as like I, I fell asleep, I'd see him and I'd wake right up. And in cer- certain circumstances, I'd fall asleep and just coming into that darkness of the sleep, I would like wake up immediately because I didn't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? I'm a coward. I'm a fucking coward, man. That goes all the way back to my story when I was a kid and I seen that hand coming up in the window 
And uh, I didn't want to, I woke up before uh, it got to the face because I didn't want to see the face. And that's kind of along the same lines where it was a, it was half sleep, half reality, but like you wake up and it's still kind of reality. So you disperse and you would think that it would be all dream, but you find yourself in your kitchen and that's real. But the thing that you've seen was so crazy that it's like you question the reality of it. You know what I mean? So, uh, I, I, you know, I'm glad that I didn't see what this gentleman's seen because uh, I don't want it to do something sexual to me that is worse than what he does to a woman. Now, that dude can't really say that because he's not a woman and he does, he can't identify. You know what I mean? So he can never say something like that. Uh, the demon struck Zanzibar in 1970. You know what I mean? And briefly, again, in the 1980s. Now, this is more of a modern day folklore thing, which I can appreciate. Um, even those who dismiss the attacks as superstition, nonetheless admit that for true believers, they are real. Zanzibar's main hospital has treated men with bruises, broken ribs, and other injuries, which the victims blame on the creature. So they're getting these, the, these men going to the hospital. It says bruises and broken ribs and other injuries. Obviously, like if there was some type of like, adult like male rape going on which is what they're going for uh i would assume much like mutilate the beast episode there would be uh there'd be black fluid coming out of the anus type deal i feel like there would be some type of issues with the anus you know what i mean it it would make sense um unless that's what they want to consider other injuries and they just don't want to talk about it which very well could be the case you know what i mean uh, now, the victims blame the creature for this. And uh, with that being said, it's like, yeah, what's, your, what's, what's the reality you think of p- people just getting drunk or beat up or, and then going and not want not to admit that their wife beat them up or something like that for looking at ladies? I'd say there's probably some truth in that. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, men making an excuse for something. All of them, I doubt. But at least, at least some of them. It's uh, you know, it's very the only thing that like, the premeditation of these attacks is just the fact that they don't really believe. It's kind of a creepy deal, you know what I mean? It's got a little bit of a boogeyman vibe to it, like the chest scare children a little bit or scare adults. You know, in the last episode or in the the, the Kato episode, uh, we talked about, you know, there was a. Uh, one of the things you had to ward off, you know what I mean? To ward off some of the spirits, you would have to go and you would have to go um, under your, under your, uh, under your little, your house or whatever it was. And in the Kami and Shinto, I should say, in the Kami and Shinto episode, you had to go under your house and strip nude. And then when the ghost, when the Kami would see you, it would, it would approach uh, and you'd have to ward it off with a sword. You know what I mean? And we talked about that being almost kind of having a, a vibe of it, of like a folklore urban legend of something to keep guys from like cheating on their wife when they were pregnant and stuff. And this one right here kind of has a little bit of the vibe of that, you know what I mean? Of kind of like, you know, you know, if a guy was bad, you know what I mean? That he's going to worry about these things. So this could have that vibe to it, especially if he's gotten injuries, bruises, broken ribs, 
Uh, maybe that maybe these men are men that, you know, sleep around or, you know, do something their wives don't like. So the, the wife does beat them up. And then next thing you know, you know, bruises and such. Uh, some of it can be equated to that. But I'm with Ray. I think that, there, you know, there's something out there. Well, there's another thing, too, is uh, it attacks non-believers. Yeah. And the reason it would attack non-believers is they're unprepared for it. If you if you have a believer, they're going to do whatever chance prayers or protections are necessary to keep it away. Right. The non-believer is not going to do anything, so they're fair game. They're wide open. Yeah. Yeah, I like the non-believer deal. It's very interesting because usually it's the believers. You know what I mean? You almost have, like almost a human mind conjuring type deal, or even like a Freddy Krueger type deal to take it into you know Hollywood land. But it's like those deals, if you believe in it, or it, you know what I mean? If you believe in it, that's how you give it the power. Like everything that we kind of, all the things we talk about on this show realistically are things that if you believe in it, you give it power type deal. You know what I mean? I think this is the first time we've encountered something that if you don't believe in it, that's when it comes for you. You know what I mean? Even Mothman type deal was like you had to have some belief in what was going on. Um, but these are definitely, I think the first thing we've talked about that, uh, comes for naysayers, which adds an element to it because it's like, damn, you know what I mean? Uh, it's weird. Uh, and the things that it's a fear thing almost and respect, mainly it sounds like a respect deal. Like, well, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, yeah, you know, you're not gonna believe, you're not gonna give me the respect of believing that I'm out there, that I'm gonna come, you know, do bad things. Well, it's kind of like a very brutal conversion process. You believe now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Then they leave you with a little something to remember them by, unfortunately. Well, uh, the fact is that most people, there's a lot of people that are not believers across the board in many of these things. Yeah. Something has to turn them to make them a believer. True. Whether it's in childhood or later on in life. And this seems to be something there which preys on those people because, like I said, they're unprotected, they're non believers. They're defiant. It's like the person who uh, goes into a haunted place and says, hey, I don't believe you. I don't care, you know. Mm. Go ahead, prove something. They get a rock thrown at their head out of the darkness. Yeah. It's kind of like, wake up. Okay, okay. Because they usually scream and go running out. They're the ones that do that. But, yeah, I think that uh, they're vulnerable. They're non-believers. And here is a force that could come right in and... Uh, basically do its thing and afterwards laugh at them knowing they're a believer now maybe there's some ego to these creatures yeah i would say that there's a ego run wild in a lot of evil yeah for sure yeah you're right on that in 2007 reports of the demon's existence have been common for many years in zanzibar where locals claim it originated uh the bbc's john nagayoma in Dares Salam, says not many people actually believe that the demon exists and that there have been no sightings. He's a naysayer. He needs to watch out. Um, you know, perfect little story with it is to, you know, just to not believe. You know, that it would scare children. You know what I mean? It's got that weird, that weird... I think even if you're a naysaying so heavy, just you... Maybe there's something to say about not believing so heavy that you are believing. 
You know, if you're if you're caring enough to put up an argument about it being not real, that would kind of maybe conjure something up as well. What do you think? Um, I agree. I think that uh, possibly these people don't want to believe. It scares them if it's real. Yeah. So they're going to do it. they're going to do everything they can to try and disprove it or say that it's not real. They don't want to face it. They don't want to face their own fears. They don't want to face anything outside of their mindset or their belief system that could exist. Yeah. And particularly since this one here, like they would be vulnerable. It's kind of like, no, can't exist. No, doesn't exist. No, doesn't exist until they, till it happens to them. Mm, That's true. You know what I mean? That's the deal that it makes it very real for them. Uh, Yeah. You know, this, this John, the BBC's John Magayoma, uh, naysaying. I don't know. Maybe he's trying to look for evidence. Maybe he's hoping something will come forward with it. Or he's just trying to be a big, big, uh, big broody uh, man. He ain't scared of nothing. You know what I mean? But Mabaruku Ibrahim, who hails from Zanzibar, says the story of the demon is common there and people in his village on Pemba Island sleep beside a huge fire outside their houses whenever it is said to appear. The story goes that the bat is able to transform itself into a man at night and has also been blamed for rapes of women. You know, that kind of has a very Dracul sound, very vampiric sound to it. You know what I mean? All the way from raping women to, you know, transforming into a man at night um, and the bat whole deal, the whole deal with the bat tie-in. You know, I know they, they, they call this the Zanzibar Chupacabra so to speak. It's one of the things that it's kind of uh, get passed off as and related to. Um, the, the thing, we talked about fire before, um, you know, and fire is, a, uh, fire is something that kind of wards off, wards off evil in ways, you know, it chases away the, the darkness because of the light. It kind of, you know, enlightens wherever it's at. So I think that's there. You think there's something deep about it where it's a spiritual thing where it's, uh, you know, the light uh, is destroying the darkness. Or do you think it's just a matter of straight up common, common physicalities where if you've got light out, you can see what's going on around you? I think it's more of the light uh, chasing away the dark. Also, fire is uh, some people call it a purifier. Mm. It purifies things. Um, there's a lot of things associated with, with fire that would repel anything that comes out of the darkness towards you. Yeah. So uh, I, can, I can see that link very easily. Fire is one of the oldest ways to, you know, get rid of things as well. You know, if you have a creature or an entity that you, let, you get down, you know, you wound, you know what I mean? You, know, you think, you know, maybe, maybe, uh you know, maybe just stabbing this thing or whatever isn't quite fully uh, going to wrap this picture up. You know what I mean? Maybe we need to, to go through the whole deal and burn it to ash, let it blow away in the wind, and then they know that it's dead type deal. So fire is a very powerful deal. You know well, I mean? in some of the uh, stories of vampires out of Europe, they would not only drive a stake through it, but they, they would be afraid someone might remove the stake. Um, there were different rituals. Some they would behead it. Wouldn't they cut the heart up into like four pieces in certain point, places? Uh, certain places they did that. Also, a common thing is even if they were, even if they had body parts. Yeah. 
would be to burn them. Yeah. To destroy it. Yeah. And you take later, you take in medieval times, a witch was per, uh, perceived as being evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you go right up to Salem witch trials, etc. They did mostly hanging, but in Europe, there was a lot of, they'd burn them at the stake. Again, using fire to purify it, to destroy evil. Yeah. Because, yeah, fire destroys everything. You know, it's, it's the one thing you could, you, could, you could cut a head off or stab something, like I said before, and you can bury it whole. And the idea of it coming back isn't that far-fetched. You know what I mean? Whether it has to rest for a while or wait for whatever to link up. Um, you know, comes around. I wonder if this has one of those with the raping of women. I wonder if it has anything to do with. I wonder if it plants a seed in them. I wonder, you know, some demon seed type deal. I wonder if there's folklore about that. You know, and it could go into the whole. You know, they get weird. There's weird deals. How like if a woman was, you know, uh, you know, sleeping around, we'll say, you know, in layman terms, if a woman was kind of perceived as kind of somebody that, you know, had multiple partners. Uh, and she was to have a kid or something, they would say maybe that kid was a like a bastard child demon or something, you know what I mean? This is going back a long time. It's a different culture, so I really don't know. I don't know what they re- how they feel about children out of wedlock. I don't go, if you go far back enough, uh, far back enough to probably even the 70s and the 80s, uh, I even think that even then it was very frowned upon. Unfortunately, it's not so frowned on well, I mean, uh, I threw that unfortunately too soon, but nowadays it's not too frowned on, unfortunately, because there's so many kids without fathers out there that it's almost like a yin and a yang 50-50 toss-up where, you know, it's crazy though. Even since I've been a kid, and I can imagine since you've been a kid, so many things have changed in a, in a, in a weird world. I remember when I went to school and I, I was like a chubby kid, not even like full-blown fucking, uh, uh, fucking obese uh, I was just a chubby kid and like you catch hard times for being chubby, but nowadays, you know, you take a look, you look at, uh, you watch kids getting on a, a school bus, you know, without getting caught by the FBI and you find out that half the kids get on that school bus are all fat kids, you know, it's from all the garbage food they eat and shit, nothing against them. You know, the, we're in a weird culture of sit down and eat and then look at the computer or look at the TV. Um, so it's a weird, you know, it's definitely a weird vibe there where back 20 years ago, if you were, I don't think, I don't know. I'm not a, a, a school kid now, but I assume that kids that were slightly different in the sense of maybe heavier or whatever. Um, it's not as hard as it used to be for them because there's more, more people that are heavy. And we all know, like going back to the school days, that the kids that are slightly different are the ones that get singled out to be made fun of or whatever, because, that's how the other kids bond as evil as that is, but that's how the other kids. And sometimes sadly, even the teachers will bond with their classmates while giving hard times to other students. And I've seen that in my days where I've seen teachers almost get in on the make fun fucking group. You know what I mean? Make fun of these, these, these kids with the quote unquote uh, cool kids of the class, if you will. And it's horrifying shit. I don't know if we see that anymore. Probably not. But I remember in my days you would see that, uh, which makes me why I have the belief that a lot of teachers are just teachers that were never popular in school and they were shitted on. 
So now they, they're teachers so they can try and be the cool kids in school. I think there's a bunch of teachers like that with great teachers, but there's those teachers as well. And those are the damaging ones, the ones that are there. So this time around, they can have friends. And, uh, you know, this time around, be the one that calls the shots because high school was not friendly to them. Um, but, yeah, there's there's definitely a type of teacher like that that I can't, I can't agree with. You know, I've... But there, there's great teachers out there and the great teachers need to be given more money and the bad teachers need to be fed to our friend that we're talking about today. Uh, is- going back going back to the fire, there are some cultures where if you burn something uh, evil, yes, if you take the ashes and let's say uh, you have a bow and arrow, you coat some of the arrows with the ashes. If you encounter a living manifestation of that evil, shoot it with that arrow. The ashes of what destroyed the evil before will help kill the evil, the new evil now. Yeah. The power is contained in those ashes. Truth. Yeah. And then what do you do with the ashes? Uh, well, I'm not advocating, you know, keeping Uncle Fred in a jar and someone you don't you think is evil comes in, you throw his ashes on him. I'm not advocating that. I hope not. But yeah, you might save him for ceremonial use. You might save him for dispatching other evil creatures of the same nature. What was the culture that believed, uh, uh, was it vampires? Where like, if you, if, if you thought somebody was going to be a vampire, they had to like drink the ashes of one of their loved ones in some type of elixir type, some type of like potion. Do you remember that? It might no, have I, don't been the, I don't remember might, that one. Yeah, it might have been the vampire when we talked about vampires, but there was some weird deal where like, you know, if you, if you, were, if you were bitten by a vampire, like if, you're, if your kindred bit you and died or something crazy, or like there was some weird thing about take burning and taking the ashes and you had to drink the ashes to cleanse yourself of being a vampire or some type of possession. I remember we talked about that because I remember just the, the idea of drinking ashes goes right. Like I can taste it. Like I, you know, I never, I've never tasted it before, but I can get the tech, the thick, the thick, fluffy, disgusting texture of what liquid ashes would taste like. You know what I mean? Well, it was an old, uh, an old way of brushing your teeth. If you were smoking like a cigar or a cigarette or something, you should take the ashes and you brush your teeth with them. Ooh. Oh, it actually cleanses the teeth. It's very good. Yeah. I like charcoal. Charcoal is a big thing for, uh, toothpaste and stuff now and soap. It's good so, uh, yeah, ashes burning the fire. I can see where it would work. Yeah. To keep them away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, these huge fires. Sleep beside a huge fire. Beside their ho- outside their houses, but not too close. Papa um, Wa. Papa Bawa. You know, you got to go check, take a peek at this thing if you have it. It's the name of an evil spirit or a shatani, which is believed to, uh, by residents to have first appeared. Uh, on the Tanzanian island of Pemba. Well, some people said it's simply a uh, Zanzibaran version of the uh, psychological and, physi- and psycholo- physiological, uh, f- physiological and psychological phenomenon known as waking dream. 
So they call it a waking dream. So that goes back to kind of that that sleep demon deal that we were talking about not too long ago. Now, one of the characteristics of such a dream, known more technically as a hypno, hypnotic and uh, hydagogic hallucination, depending on whether one is respectively waking up or going to sleep. It's a feeling of being weighed down or even paralyzed. Uh, alternatively, one may float or have an out-of-body experience. Going back to the sleep thing, I think that this this thing, maybe this is just a dimensional, maybe this is like an interdimensional type creature. Other characteristics include extreme vividness of the dream and bizarre and or terrifying content. Similar failings were also experienced by persons in the Middle Ages who reported nighttime visitations of an incubus, a male demon that lay with women, or a succubus, which took female form and lay with men. In Newfoundland, the visitor was called the Old Hag. Now, the Old Hag is sleep paralysis, because that's something that they talk about in sleep paralysis, is an old hag. You get this feel like there's an old hag sitting on your chest. Have you heard that before, that term? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I'm going to say that that maybe, <coughs> I would say that sleep paralysis is real, but it doesn't explain everything. Right. No, I'm with that. I'm definitely with that. You know, you got the nighttime visitations of the incubus. You know what I mean? The male demon that lays with the woman, um, which is exactly what this thing sounds like it is. And it goes back and forth between men and women. You know, the first ever bisexual being. Um, but the old hag's an interesting thing. Because uh, it's like, it's, it's, it's you know, uh, it's never quite. It's and the, and, the, and the succubuses are like good looking, you know what I mean? Like the, there's something where they 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 lure you in, you know what I mean? There, it's a beautiful woman. Uh, in the same way, I'm, I'm sure. And the, the other flip side, it's a handsome man, you know what I mean? That comes to you and woos you, and then when you kind of make love, make sweet, passionate love to it, it kind of sucks out your energy force, the uh, the way that you don't want it to. You know, there's certain ways you would like it to, and there's certain ways you don't want it to. And, and it, it figures out the way you don't want to suck out your energy force. Um, now, the old hag, I've never seen a visual of the old hag, but I've heard the term old hag brought up a lot with talking about, you know, sleep paralysis or entities. And I'm curious what that actually looks like, because I'm not vibing with it looking like this one-eyed creature. The old hag is what I assume would be a witch type deal. You know what I mean? Some type of old lady that's, ah, 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 you know, you don't want to deal with type deal. Like a bag lady, you know what I mean? That's what I'm catching. Sleeping, sitting right on your chest. You know what I mean? Uh, in the infamous West Pitson, Pennsylvania haunted house case of 1986, tenant Jack Smurl claimed he was raped by a succubus. As a demonologist, Ed Warren, our boy Ed Warren, described it. He was asleep in bed one night, and he was awakened by this hag-like woman who paralyzed him. See, so, you know, that's, we're talking about, you know, this creature has no humanoid. Maybe the fact that it has, you know, arms and legs, you know what I mean, so to speak, might be the most only most humanoid thing about this. So again, like I wonder why are they why would they bring up like an old hag lady with 
with these with this demon like thing? Do you think it's just perception? You think that you it's just how it's the same thing, but you see it differently, or what do you think? I think it's how you see a lot of things. Um, obviously, some people are using the old hag to try and explain this away. But I also think in different cultures, the demon or the evil will present in a way that you can relate to. Yeah. I would tend to go, if you're looking at something that may be a little bit more what they would look like, then I'd go to the aboriginal or the, or the older ones where it's less human. Mm-hmm. Um, then that that might be a little bit more accurate. Yeah. But I can see where um, in different cultures, you, they're going to see, particularly if you have a male-dominated culture when you're going to see something evil, um, you, you're going to play, we've spoken about that before, that you're going to place yeah. it as a woman. Wicked woman in the Burden and Beauty episode. Yes, sir. But this this creature thing that uh, the way they see it down in uh, Africa, I'd say that that is uh, might be a combination of things that they have in the wild there, like huge bats or whatever. But I I tend to think it's probably closer to its truest form. Which you think is the demon form or the old old hag form? The demon form. I wonder what the whole deal with the old hag is. I feel mm-hmm. like it's kids. There's older ladies would creep out old witches and stuff like that. You know, I, I in, in Bill and Ted's bogus journey to go Hollywood land again. You know, there's an old lady in that film. And it's just, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's Bill dressed up as his grandmother. But the fact that she's just so old, I remember just being horrified. And I don't know what it is about age, but as a kid, maybe it's the cycle of life that, you know, one day you're going to be old and die. But like something about older people, when I was a kid, at least something about older people creeped me out. You think there's anything that kind of went with that? Or is that just kind of like a kid thing? Uh, it might be something that we held on to from as, as kids it might be our fear of death. Mm. Um, if we've been seduced by a beauty, then we see its true form. It's not beautiful. Uh, it is then ugly. Yeah. And we may associate the uh, ugliness with uh, age and body being decrepit, etc. Mm. Did I ever talk about the boogie woman I had in my nightmares on this show? I don't. I don't think so. Oh my! So this Matt Fisher, a young Matt Fisher, when I was a little boy, um, my mom lived with her 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 mother and her brothers and sisters, and her mother, my nano nano, used to have a job where she was like a house mother. She'd take care of a lot of mentally handicapped people. And they had a house at the end of the street, kind of. And uh, every now and then, she'd bring the kids, she'd bring the people over. And I remember there was this one girl, mentally handicapped, and every time she seen me, she would have this big, as a kid, it was horrifying, but her face, it was like a cartoon demon almost. Like her face would get this big smile. Not, you know, not like, not like a, a like like a real a human smiling, but just a big smile. You know what I mean? Like a big smile, and she would chase me, and I would run. And to this day, I hate being chased. And she would chase me through the entire house. And when she caught up with me, she would get on top of me, and she would tickle me, and she would laugh hysterically because she thought it was funny. Now, what wasn't funny about it is that I couldn't breathe. And I was like hyperventilating and like couldn't breathe while she was tickling me. And that fucking, that happening 
And it happened, you know, whenever she brought her over, it would happen to me. I started having nightmares of a boogie woman, black pants, a blue and black striped sweater, and real bushy black hair. Now, every time I would ha- I would have a nightmare with her in it, she would run up on me, and she would tickle me, and I would wake up <gasps> struggling to breathe in real life. And this was so traumatizing, the young Matt Fisher, that I'd say up until my mid-20s, maybe even a little later, I could not fall asleep with my arm over my head, with my armpit exposed. I couldn't sleep with my feet, not having blankets over them. Like, it fucked me up, you know what I mean? Like, it was a horrifying deal. And I almost take, you know, I think it was kind of the weird trauma. And I hate to throw the word trauma around, but I think it was like the weird situation of that that girl tickling me. And I was like a young kid, and I couldn't breathe. And I think that that fear uh, stuck with me and almost created this boogeyman deal because she stayed with me for fucking years, like I, I can still visual, I can still literally visualize and should be laughing and stuff. I could literally, I can visualize right now from head to toe exactly how she looks. Big smile. Her smile was always freakish, frequent, freakishly big, bigger than human. Like the girl in real life, big smile, but big human smile where this nightmarish girl's smile was, it almost left her face. That's how much of a big smile it was. And chase me down, tickle me, and wake up <gasps> not being able to breathe. Um, crazy stuff. But I almost like equate that story kind of into the sleep paralysis and this kind of weird dream demony type thing that we're talking about, you know? Well, now, I think that uh, if, if you're talking about dream demons, it has a lot to do with your personal experiences. Yeah. Like I grew up in uh, a three-story house. Mm-hmm. and it was all one family, and we were on the middle floor. My father had a sister upstairs, uh, a sister below, and my grandfather lived on the first floor. Yeah. And he was the youngest. Now, I grew up around older people, him being the, the youngest in the family, including my grandfather and his two sisters that, that were older than he, were, he was. Yeah. And old people, so to speak, uh, anybody aged, never bothered me because I grew up with a positive influence uh, with the, with these people. I grew up very comfortable around the aged. Yeah. Uh, I grew up with them. They helped care for me. Um, so I never saw as a kid anything frightening about age or someone who had, who had years on them. And I think what feeds into your nightmares is your experiences with different groups. Mm. And that, that'll shape your dreams and your fears. True. No, it's definitely true for sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's there. It's the, the things that happen to us when we're young stay with us for the whole ride. No matter how many people want to say that it's not true, they know you, you know, I, I do believe in growth and I do believe in working through things, but I do think, I do think that those weird things that, you know, you encounter as a kid that kind of change your perception, you know, how matter, no matter how, what the size of the issue is, I think that that kind of does 
create you, who you are, your essence, your personality and stuff. Maybe not create it, but influence it. And um, for better or worse type deal. Um, and then you, you figuring it out and coming to grips with it is kind of, it never really leaves. But I think you kind of get to an agreement with it in a way almost. You know what I mean? What's your take on like that whole deal? Uh, it, ne- it never leaves, but you learn how to deal with it. Yeah, you learn how to you learn how to face it, so it doesn't control you anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it simply becomes a part of your life. You get to recognize it. Um, if you go back to ghostly figures or nightmares um, in that same house, mm-hmm. um, I used to occasionally see uh, faces outside the window. Now I was on the second floor. Yeah, and we we my parents moved when I was ten years old, so this was younger than that. But most of the faces I saw were all young. Mm. It was, and we lived a block away from where there was uh, uh, railroad tracks and a switching station. A wooded area and the tracks, the tracks and the switching station was there. It was later on that I learned that um, there were kids who used who played on that track and were killed by the train. That's heavy. Uh, what I never told my parents is that I used to go up there and play on those tracks and jump trains. Oh, that's how you get some tagalongs right there. So what I saw when I was young, uh, probably the first things that I saw had to had to do with children. Yeah. And it, the interesting thing in this town is the tracks are gone, but you can occasionally and. Nearly everybody in the town just kind of laughs because they say, yeah, me too. You can occasionally hear the train go through. Yeah. You hear the, tra- you hear the train whistle. I did it several, mo- several months back. I was outside and it was kind of like, oh, there's the train whistle. But there's no train anymore. There's not, no tracks. But going back to yeah, some of the first images that should have scared me yeah. were the kids floating outside my window that were killed on the tracks. Were they happy or emotionless? Do you remember how they looked at all? No emotion. Yeah. Just what do you think? Images. Uh, so, someone looking in and then moving on. Hmm. What do you think that is with the no emotion? You think you think that they see us, or you think they just they looked in and seen an empty room? I think they probably saw an uh, saw an empty room. Interesting. I, ne- I never saw them when I used to play in the tracks. It was only at night and uh, outside my bedroom window. I wonder if any of the kids lived at that house that you lived in. Or if it was strictly, you know, you went there and you were doing what they did when they died, which, you know, I know you didn't mean bad things, but I'm sure they could probably find a way to look at that in a negative way. You know what I mean? Like almost a mockery. You don't know. You don't. You're a kid. You don't know the seriousness of the situation. But if they passed and realized it, they're they're probably looking at you as a. Nah, I don't even know if it'd be a mockery. I mean, or it'd just be another. Oh, this is another kid doing these things and i wonder how they would feel i wonder if it's one of those things where they wait and watch and they say maybe we're going to have a new friend or if they're thinking oh man i hope you don't die like us what do you think their their take is on something like that well i think you said it more with the tag along because yeah. i used to be up on those tracks a lot it was a favorite place for me to go because the same tracks you could hop a train or you could walk them and get to the reservoir and go fishing right I mean, they, they went right through the town, so it was kind of like a shortcut to different parts of the town. And uh, I, used, I used to go up there quite a bit. So I think it was more like uh, 
and we lived close to them. So to me, it was more like they recognized me or they followed me. They didn't mean harm. Right. As for living in the house, that house had been in our family forever. There's no way okay. that they had lived in that house. I think my grandfather grew up in it. So it's kind of like a case of, uh, nope, nobody from that house. Yeah, no, I think it, I'm with you. I think it was a tag along and just wandering. You know what I mean? They, they could have been on the, tra- you know, that's a weird vibe with the tracks, man. It goes back to the whole thing where you don't know you're dead, but pretty much in a train incident, for all you know, maybe a, there was a train crash and they died on the train. Maybe they weren't hit. You know what I mean? You know, maybe it was an accident. Maybe it wasn't an accident. You know what I mean? Doing some research, I could not find any accidents. I could find people dying while they were on the tracks when they shouldn't have been. Okay. So it's more like uh, being hit by the train. You said there was a reservoir across the way too? Uh, about, oh, I'd say a half mile down the train tracks. You think you think if somebody drowned at that reservoir that they might kind of... There, there was a stream that ran by the tracks. Yeah. And on one end of the stream, you've got a lake a little farther down. You have um, the five-mile river, and then you go farther down in the other direction, a half mile, you've got a reservoir there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a strong water connection. And we know water is a magnet and an amplifier. I mean, the train would have a lot of energy coming off of that as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Electricity and such. Maybe maybe the most electric thing in the city, in the town, you know what I mean, is that train. You know, at one point, it might have been the most important thing to that town. The train that ran through, brought the food through, had people travel. Uh, you know, very important part of transportation you know what I, mean? I know farther down there was a station where people could get on and off it was also an area where it branched off and ran to another section of town and it ran down there because you had coal yards this goes this goes back to where they used to dump the coal yeah. and they had the coal the coal furnace because i remember the house we live in we still had the chute that came in the basement window in the old burner the coal burner so yeah, it heated the place. Supplies came in. People came in. It connect. It connected a lot. It was a busy set of tracks. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting deal. Let's pop back. Let's pop back into Jack Smurl because our boy Jack Smurls actually has a little. Uh, he gave a little uh, situation breakdown of when he dealt with this demon. His uh, when he was asleep one night and he awakened by the hag-like woman who paralyzed him. Now I don't. Th- I wonder if it was paralyzed like Misery, where Kathy Bates paralyzes uh, James Can James Khan with the legs. I don't. I feel like it isn't, but uh, Kathy Bates does fit a perfect description of a hag lady that would be sitting on your chest. Um, and I'll get back to Jack. Is he wanted to scream out? Of course, he was horrified, buddy. What about what he saw? Now. This is my favorite part of all our shows is when we get to talk about what these things look like. You know what I mean? My favorite part. And his description of this woman goes a little something like this. The woman had scales on her skin and white scraggly hair and some of her teeth were missing, but she paralyzed him in some manner. Then she mounted him and rode him to her sexual climax. Uh, Her sexual climax and not his. What's your take on that weirdness? The, the, the weirdness that a, a spirit 
or some type of entity would need sexual gratification. Now, I could understand almost, you know, him, him climaxing because you're taking his seed, you know, his essence, you know what I mean? But what do you, what's your take on her climaxing? You know what I mean? And not to sound like a, like a guy that doesn't want to make sure the girl gets her climax too, but you know what I mean? Because I do think the girl needs her climax too. It ain't over till you both have your cookie, like outside Providence. Um, but what's your take on that, her riding the climax? I think that uh, her climax was more like sharing of energy. She was draining his energy, and she was taking it. She reached a point where her energy and his merged, and she was feeding off it. It, it reaches a point where, let's say, she was full. Yeah. Uh, and she made that connection, and that was her climax, joining with him on an energetic level. Um, you've got the, the sexual energy plays into a lot of things in many cultures. It's the life force. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that she was draining his life force, that uh, she needed that. And her climax would have been when she, she was satiated, when she had enough is, is where she had her climax. I wonder if she left a wet spot on the mattress, right? But such accounts come from the widespread places and times. For example, consider this interesting encounter which occurred in the 17th century. Now we have another encounter to roll through. It concerned one Anne Jeffries, a country girl from Cornwall. In 1645, she apparently suffered a convulsion and was found semi-conscious lying on the floor. As she recovered, she began to recall in detail how she was accosted by a group of six little men. Uh, seven dwarfs? Snow White and the seven dwarfs didn't quite... Uh, one, one called out sick, I think. Uh, yeah, group of six little men. I think dwarfs. I think, uh, I think fucking the lollipop kids got their hands on her from Wizard of Oz. Uh, we represent the lollipop kids, the lollipop kids. So it's very interesting. Um, what's your take on this actually being a more realistic dwarfs, like dwarfs that were just like rapists, you know what I mean, for the most part? You know, they don't get, you know, they kind of get looked down upon as well in society, unfortunately. So there's probably not a lot of... Uh, sexual activity in their life and you know they come into a girl that's semi-conscious you know who's to say why um you know it doesn't really go into she, she apparently suffered a convulsion um it was found semi-conscious could this be alcohol could this be some type of drug of the time um but you have these these little these six little men six is a big number too in the satanic world um and she's accosted. Now, it doesn't quite say uh, rape in this situation. Accosted is kind of just more of a, it's like a lighter. It's not quite, not quite uh, accosted. is more of a grabbing at, right? Like a grabbing and pulling at type thing, I think. I could be wrong. Um, I think so. I'm, what I'm thinking about is, now, where was this? This was in uh, Cornwall. Yeah, okay. Now you're looking at dwarfs, you're looking at leprechauns, you're looking at the, the little people there, and maybe combining their energy, they assaulted her to steal some of hers. Interesting. Yeah, the fact that, 
you know, I put a lot of these entities that are human-like, like we've talked about with demons and even Nephilim-type deal, like sex is important all across the board to these things, which I think is very weird, but it's there. Um, and even in a more, like, human nature-type deal, I, you know, this one I lean more towards a human nature, almost like a dwarf-type deal, where they were just like, we're just going to go for it. You know what I mean? Um, all the dwarfs, all the dwarfs in the land were put to death by fire the following week after she came forward with this one. But paralyzed, she felt them swarm over her, kissing her until she felt a sharp pricking sensation. Okay. Um, blinded, she found herself flying through the air to a place filled with people. There, one of the men, now her size, this is Wizard of Oz right here, what, now her size seduced her, and suddenly an angry crowd burst in on them. She was again blinded and levitated. So she was a, a swarm of these, these dwarf-like things, uh, you swarmed her, you know, was kissing her, and then she felt a sharp pricking sensation, which is very weird. Um... It could have been a drug situation, uh, you know, taking the needle. I don't think the needles were there uh, at this time, you know, you know, get popped with a drug and then pass out type deal. Not that she was shooting dope and passed out or anything, but who's to say? So one of these guys, uh, she, you know, she after this swarming and then she went blinded after the, sensa- the, the prick sensation, she found herself flying through the air to a palace filled with people which is very weird. Um, You know, when people go through trauma, sometimes they take themselves out of a situation and put themselves almost in an imaginary state of something that's better than what's going on. That's a trauma thing. It's known fact. Uh, It sounds a little bit like that, you know. Uh, Either that or the Wizard of Oz, one or the other. One of the men was her size at that point and seduced her. Um, seducer is more not so it's not rape seduces more like when you swoon and you ooh and ah and win over you know what I mean the deal and then suddenly once he won her over an angry crowd burst in on them and she was again blinded and levitated very weird stuff she then found herself lying on the floor surrounded by her friends this account obviously had a striking similarity Similar uh, story as many UFO abduction accounts, which it does. Some of which, like those of Whitley Strieber's own abduction experience described in Communion, the 1988 book, are fully consistent with the hypnotic and uh, hypogonic hallucinations. Still, other entities that have appeared in classic waking dreams are ghosts and angelic visitors. Now, these don't sound anything like ghosts or angelic visitors. I'd say demons, if anything, you know, it, the UFO tie is possible because UFO UFOs been around forever. Um, maybe the prick was like some type of probing. Maybe the dwarf, you know, she said they were men, but they were just maybe they were human form. You know what I mean? Like greys supposedly are in human form, you know, four legs, two arms and a head. Um, so she maybe she maybe it was aliens. I mean, that they could have an alien. It definitely does kind of... Aliens fit that mold pretty good, I'd say. What's your take on that? 
Well, I see several things. If you're looking at a recent episode we did on fairies, yeah, and that's a lot of England and Ireland and Scotland, um, different creatures, basically from another dimension. Mm. And um, I'm thinking more like if they were to take her temporarily into their world mm. and do what they will in their world. As far as seduction goes, that parallels a lot vampires. Vampires, the male vampire seduces. his po- He has powers that makes the female fall for him. Yeah. So it would be the seduction part of it would be the power of the fairies, uh, whichever type they were, to be able to convince her to go along with what was happening. Um, I could say maybe aliens, but I'm also saying interdimensional. Yeah. Again, reference back to that fairies thing mm. <laughs> episode. And then uh, they're, they're using her and then afterwards transporting her or letting her go back to this world or this realm. Mm. We also have like a Pugawaji vibe too, where like the Pugawaji, you know, can, can make you feel like you're in a different place, like how it lures you. And there's a lot of situations that you read about where the Pugawajis lead you right off of a cliff. Like you think you're walking in a field and then all of a sudden there's no more ground there. So it could have that vibe which also ties into the mystical and magical elements of, you know, medieval times and sorcery and all that type of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, some of the physical description, which I appreciate the shapeshifter, the Papa Wawa can change its appearance as easily as you change your clothes during the day. Masquerade is a regular person. You know, this is very skinwalker vibe to it as well. Under the cover of darkness, he shifts into a predatory shape. Very skinwalkery, you know, very skinwalkery. Um, regularly, it's a hunched figure shaped roughly like a human. His skin is gray. Uh, it has a sulfuric uh, smell. Now, the sulfuric thing's interesting because even in the alien deal, when they were getting probed, uh, mutilate the beef, when they were finding these the, the sulfuric smell, even in um, flat, the Flatwoods monster, there was a sulfuric smell when they fucking melted, melted the dog. Or whatever they melted in that one, and it was like that that black ooze. It had sulfur smell. And I know when they did, um, when people were probed to go back to anuses, there was a sulfuric smell around the liquid that came out of their anus. Um, although small, his head is full of horrors. Uh, his head pointed ears, a wide mouth crowded with fangs, and a large single eye in the center of his forehead. Finally, the monster has a pair of huge bat wings that he can wrap around himself like a cape. Creepy. Witnesses have described other variations of the monster's appearance. Uh, Might have have a long tail or bird-like feet. He's also been known to turn into animals or even uh, a puff of smoke uh, when he needs to make a quick getaway, which is very vampire-like. Now, supposedly his personality strikes terror in the hearts of the people of Zanzibar. There's not much complexity to this monster. He is cruel and violent. Uh, and the backstory or motivation to earn him pity points. Interestingly, many people believe that the Papawawa is a fame-seeking creature. You know what I mean? Like we said before, he, he people that don't believe in him, he goes after. 
You know what I mean? But he's also famous for warning his victims that they must spread the story of their attack, like Batman. Uh, literally like Batman. Literally, we're talking about two different types of Batman here. If they don't tell anyone, he will return and make them suffer all over again. Very interesting. You know, special ability, shape-shifting is one of their biggest ones. Uh, but it's not their only talent. The creature is full of magical powers, and he uses all of them to hunt and torture humans. No good. For example, his single eye can paralyze anyone who gazes at him. That kind of makes sense for a big eye. I get lost in it. Uh, kind of, I envision him having like the weird twisty, you know what I mean? That twisty get hypnotized thing. Uh, he has been able to subdue and then rape entire households, so everybody in the house gets some. There are also stories of him possessing humans and using them as mouthpieces to spread dark rumors. You know, in these household situations, it could almost be somebody in the household doing it, maybe, and putting it in their head or telling people, local people that, oh, no, this happened. Because you, you see that stuff happen a lot where they'll try and throw blame. I think a lot of these folklores, a lot of the ones we've talked about in the past, there's reality to them. But I think there's people that exploit them to cover up their own tracks. You know what I mean? Uh, the cultural representation of these things is pretty ha- is pretty havocal. You know, they run havoc and terror. Uh, it's relatively new. You know what I mean? To the to the whole deal, the Shatani. You know what I mean? Uh, 1965. You know, big uptick in rape reports led to the mass hysteria. You know what I mean? So, like, there's a lot of rape going on, uh, and that led to the mass hysteria. Local people fled their homes, which were being invaded by the monster, and began sleeping in large circles around bonfires outside. Eventually, the hysteria died down, only to surface again in 1995, and then in 2000, and then in 2007. You know what I mean? You know, it didn't appear until 1965. Notice the five. Um, And it didn't grow famous until 72. Now, 72, 72, I can can dismiss that because that's when it was made famous. There's no no accountability on its behalf for being famous. You know what I mean? But I will say that it surfaced again in 95, which is another one ending in five. And then in 2000, which you know, goes in, five would go into, but then 2007 is an interesting take. You know what I mean? Uh, that doesn't kind of line up date wise, but what can you do? Explanation, a supposed explanation for these things. Uh, people would never provoke the provoke it by denying its existence. Nonetheless, outsiders reported they have offered a few explanations for the episode of hysteria in 72, 95, 2000, 2007. And uh, no, uh, none of them to do with the typical magical rapist. The volume of uh, Papawa reports have been linked to Tanzanian's political election cycle. The monster appears more often and becomes more violent when elections are about to take place. So maybe it's politicians running around doing this crazy madness. Now it makes sense. Uh, especially if the election is highly controversial. He may be an expression of generalized anxiety coming from the voting populace, or he may be a tool used by politicians to destabilize their opponents, which I agree the possibility of that. 
uh, more fear, fear dur- during poli- political uh, political time of uh, you know when the, the, you know elections and stuff. You know, everybody sees fear getting thrown around, and if you got this old folky legend that you know a lot of people believe in, and especially in a situation where it's one of those things that. Uh, Ego, there's ego there, you know what I mean? And uh, they don't want to mess with it. I think that they'd, they'd go, maybe it wouldn't be so real to them, but they definitely exploit it for their gain, you know, kind of like Mothman. And um, the other, we just recently did an episode where they talked, we talked about, um, I think the Aswango. Um, that was another culture that they celebrated, they'd like try and celebrate it, which was troublesome. But yeah. It's a, it's a, it's one of those things. And, you know, the big eye, I still can't wrap my head around a big eye thing. You know what I mean? I think it's the big eyes almost like, uh, they, they know that it's creepy. They know that it's out of the normal. You know what I mean? I don't know how realistic it is for that creature. Um, but like you said, it could, the eye could be, the eyes are the, the secrets to our souls, the windows to our souls. And, uh, maybe it's got a big black soul that is trying to let everybody see. It's kind of horrifying stuff. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. What you got, what, what you got, you got any closing, closing, um, thoughts or opinions on the Papawa? Well, as I said, there are people, and whether they're politicians or people in bad relationships or looking for excuses, manipulating, they'll use myths. They'll use legends. They'll use fear. And uh, they've used it. Do I think that there is possibly some truth behind it? That there are these creatures out there that um, reach out and visit you at that time that cannot be explained simply by sleep paralysis? Definitely, because when you sleep is when you're very vulnerable because you have your guard down Mm -hmm. and your mind is wide open. So it's an excellent time for them to try and uh, manipulate you. Uh, molest you, have a relationship with you, that's perfect timing. And I think that, like most legends, somewhere in there, if you dig deep enough, you'll find some truth behind it. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that there is some truth behind it. And part of, to me, what gives that away is it attacks the people who don't believe. So if you protect yourself, you are not attacked if you're a believer. If you don't protect yourself, you're vulnerable. Yeah. That, that says there's something there picking a victim. And, and there's a lot of trauma that come, can come with a political election, too. You know what I mean? You look at how much trauma we had over here, just with our recent political elections, a lot of people got fucked up from that. Now you're talking about some like third world country where it's not as smooth and the corruption is a little more prevalent prevalent in uh you know they get a lot on the line dude they're like well you know we could have this person come in and actually try and do some good or we got this dude which is the devil himself you know what i mean wearing the badge of the devil not even caring just you know greedy and he's just gonna use us into the ground until we're dead and you know it's it's corrupt so whoever the 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 main political people want to be in there is who they want to be in there so there's definitely trauma in knowing you're about to get fucked. You know what I mean? In a political realm. You know what I mean? When you know that, that you're just in this cycle of fucking corruption and 
getting shit on and you know that that ain't never going to stop, that's traumatic. You know, it, it, it feels like just regular go with the flow type stuff we deal with now. But that when you really think about it, you know, that that's fucking mental trauma. That's abuse when you when it doesn't get any better and, you know, tomorrow is going to be another kick in the face and the next day is going to be another kick in the face. Uh, yeah, that's a problem. That's traumatic. I and mean, people might say, well, politics, you know, they don't really affect you. Yeah, they kind of do affect you. You know what I mean? Everybody's kind of affected by the politics around them. Small town, big government politics. Um, it's all kind of the same deal. So the fact that the, when the politics kind of kick up again, this thing comes up, maybe there's a dude, maybe it was like the Bill Clinton of over there. You know what I mean? Like going around raping folks up, speculating. We'll speculate because we don't want to be terminated. But, you know, you always hear these horror stories of all these politicians running around raping, molesting, do whatever they want to do, and then they brush them under the rug type deal. It definitely could have a weird political tie. And in these countries that are like third worldy, man, like it's do whatever you want to do type stuff, unfortunately. So it's very quite possible that their, their politicians are very demonic the way ours are very demonic. You know, it's, 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 uh, the business of getting into being a politician is kind of a weird thing. It's a power play, you know. Uh, I think if there, if if you know, small town politics might be the only politics where anybody has the other person in mind. You know what I mean? I don't think big politics care about the people. They're too big to care about the people. You know what I mean? But you got these, you know, the whoever's running your town, those might be the people that care. But who's to say? But I do think that that vibe of the political tied in with the Papua is an interesting element to it, uh, whether it's exploited, just exploiting it, or if there's actually some underlining under the surface uh, crosses, you know, you know, where Papua and politicians kind of meet, you know what I mean? And who's to say? It's a lot of bad energy. and You know, everything's off of the energy. So it's very possible. So yeah, I think when we, we yeah, I can say I can see where historically, and I'll use the example of the Salem witch trials. Yeah. Um, the panic and the fear was used there for political reasons. If you take a look at what most people don't realize is, let's say uh, someone owned property, mm-hmm. and someone accused them of being a witch, mm-hmm. and they were executed. They lost their property. So now someone else had more property and more wealth. So they were taking property from each other back and forth and gaining position in the community because back then property was everything. The more you had, the uh, more powerful you were. So there was a certain amount of manipulation of fear. And they were unafraid of uh, hanging people with these accusations just to get their farmlands. So people manipulating legends, people manipulating other people uh, for power is a very real thing. And, but I would go, have to go back to that the legend and the entities were there before people did this. Yeah. And that there is something there that's been lost that uh, because other people have turned around and they've used it and they've manipulated it and they've, uh, Use the fear of the legend 
uh, for their own gains. But we shouldn't dismiss that there isn't, that there is not something there. We should recognize that there was something there evil. Mm. Uh, it, and we, we've done it in other shows where we take a look at what, how Hollywood portrays something now and what the old legends were like, which is vastly different. So how that demon is portrayed now and what it really was when it was very tribal and on a limited scale and, uh, was something that people took seriously. And we should take that seriously also. Evil is evil, no matter how it presents through what culture. True. Whether it's human form or creature. True. Evil is evil. Well, and that was the Papawa demon, ladies and gentlemen. Some of the most evil as they come. But uh, if you dug this, definitely dig in a little more. You know what I mean? So get, learn a little more about this thing. It's very interesting. We'd love to hear your opinion on the political and spiritual tie of the Papawa. You know what I mean? So with that being said, if you enjoyed the show, peep out the rest of the shows. We're, we're, we're elbow deep in season two. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, year's almost over. Season two will be wrapped up. Got a lot of good numbers this season and uh, a lot of good stuff out there. So definitely, if you like this uh, episode, check out other episodes where you listen to podcasts. And, uh, you know, check out all our social medias, the Mostly Ghostly, um, Boombastic Media, our production company. We got, uh, you know, YouTube, Boombastic Media. You can find a bunch of fun things on there. I know the first couple episodes of Ghostly are up there. And we're working on getting uh, a more in-depth, interactive, cool, newer show going for you guys uh, in the works. Film has already been shot. It's an editing stage now, friends. So be in the loop. Uh, If anybody wants to support the show... You know what I mean? We have a Patreon page at Boombastic Streaming. You can stream all of our podcasts. We got a handful of them, and you can see all our film works. You know, they're all up there in one big lump sum. Uh, catch your mostly ghostly. Get early. Get it early. Get it like a week, if not more, earlier than everybody else. You know what I mean? And uh, hell yeah, we appreciate your support. Thanks again. Ray, have a good evening over there. You too. Thank you, sir. And we'll catch all y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly.